Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Wow. I'm so nervous. <laughs> wow. You know, um, my husband and I have been praying for you before we even knew you. Um, I heard the Lord while we were worshiping say that this church is going to host a move of God in this entire city. I saw a net cast out over the city, and several pastors are going to join in with you on this. And what happened, actually, is I, I sort of left the room for a second, and I was, I was worshiping with you, but we were all somewhere else because what was happening was too big for this building to hold. And I said to the Lord, where, where am I? And he said, you are in the center of Cambridge. There's going to be an outpouring in this city. A net is being cast, and you're going to see a revival like the days of old. You're going to see revivals that go days on end, days on end, days on end. You'll open a meeting one day, and you'll end it two weeks later. There will be great revival in this place. And so I, I say that with fear and trembling. I really do. I, I know you don't know me, but you will um, know me um, shortly. I pastor... Um, mentioned to me about the possibility of just sharing my testimony with you tonight, and I've really been praying into that. It's a great testimony. I was a God-hater. I was a drug addict and an alcoholic. I found myself in the middle of a coven of witches and became a Satan worshiper, and I was unashamed, totally unashamed. I was brazen about my pure hatred for God. The reason for that was is because of church people. Thank you for your underwhelming response. <laughs> because church people, as I was growing up, every now and then would come through my life and say things like, Tracy, God does things to people to teach them something. Now, what was happening to me was that I was being beaten, senseless, and raped and molested in my own home. I was handed over by my mother to men and to women. Are y'all okay with me? I don't know how it is in uh, the United Kingdom, but this is how the real world is living right now. And nobody, listen to me, nobody from a church ever came. No one walked through our door and said, we have the power in the name of Jesus to break the insanity off of your family. No one ever came. Except every now and then, a church person would come along and say, Tracy, God does things to people to teach them something. And you have to understand, when people go through hardship and a very hard life, some people ball up in a knot, pull the covers over their heads, draw the curtain down, and they die. And others of us get really, really mad. And I was one angry child. I was 140 plus years old when I was 14. I never was protected. I never had a day that I was put to bed on time. No one got me up. The only reason I got up to go to school was because in our system back home, which is in South Carolina, there is a, they let children, poor children eat for free. And I went to school to eat. My mother carried me when she 
was doing alcohol and drugs. And when I was born, I was born with severe alcohol syndrome. On my permanent report in school is written the words, educably retarded. Now, I don't know whether when Jesus came into my life, I actually got touched and I was healed or whether I'm still educably retarded and I'm functioning in the mind of Christ. I don't know. But I do know this. I was one angry person. And while, while we're sitting here tonight, you need to hear this. And I don't know, maybe you don't have the same problems that the rest of the world has. But another 14-year-old is being beaten to death right now while we're in church tonight. And I love conferences. I love the prophetic. I love a good goosebump. But after you get up off the floor, there's got to be something that you go do for God with your life to push the darkness off of other people's lives. Or else we're just doing church just like everybody else. Okay? Now, it's funny that you said a hammer is coming because that has been said about my ministry. Uh, out of all the things that describe it, it's, it's a hammer. God wants to get back into the church. Thank you for your underwhelming response one more time. When Jesus is standing at the door knocking, that is not a metaphor of Jesus knocking on the door of a lost person's heart. That's the book of Revelation. He's talking to the spirit-filled, tongue-talking church that he's beating on the door of the church and nobody wants him to come in. It's time to do something. It's just time. It's just time. So, um, So anyway, so... I'm the youngest of six children. My father witnessed the murder of his mother when he was three years old, about three years old. My grandfather killed my grandmother on her 28th birthday. When he killed her, he mutilated her, cut her head off, and drug her body and her head down the street and dropped her into a ditch. And because she was a woman of color, does that mean anything here? A woman of color, like Pam is called a woman of color in the U.S., okay? My grandmother was a full-blooded Cherokee Indian, which meant that she did not have as much value as a white woman would. So killing her, you didn't get as much of a penalty for her life that you would for a white woman. So they took my grandfather and put him in jail for two years, and my father was put up for adoption those two people both died horribly of disease very soon after he, he actually was adopted. He was readopted. One of those people committed suicide. The other one died of a horrible disease. And by the time he was 14 years old, he was out on the street by himself. My mom, her mother was a prostitute. When my grandmother died, my grandfather was a polygamist. So you could be related to me. You could be. Or not. You probably hope not, right? Uh, She died in my mom's arms. My mom was 14 years old. And the last thing that my grandmother said to my mother was, Faye, I hate you. I have always hated you. And I will always hate you. And she dropped dead. And my mother um, witnessed the lifestyle of my grandmother My mom and my dad find each other, and what do you think is going to happen? It's a train wreck going somewhere to happen. I'm saying that in defense of what you're about to hear because my mother lost her mind, literally. um, Literally. 
my father left when she was pregnant with me because I'm supposed to be somebody else's child. Are y'all okay with this in real church? Your children actually can handle it better than you think because they're already hearing about it on the streets. They really are. So she, she told me all of my life that the reason my father left was because I was born. I heard that all of my life. Prior to bringing me home, she had put me up for adoption, but because you could tell something was wrong. I'm saying that. Like I have this um, dent from here to here that runs down the back of my skull. My ears have no cartilage hardly in them at all. They're very elfin. My kids loved it because I look like Spock, you know. Are y'all okay with me? So the people that were going to take me handed me back because I was damaged. My mother brought me home. I have a sister that's 10 years older than me, and she literally put me in my sister's arms and really had nothing to do with me. They never filled out a birth certificate. I never had a name. I didn't know that until I started um, traveling around the world, and I had to go get a birth certificate in order to get a passport. And lo and behold... I'm nowhere in the system, just this blank um, birth certificate that says Baby Taylor, no name. Really, they don't put down the father. I am my dad's child. My mother's husband was my father, just so you know. I met him when I was uh, 28 or 29 years old for the first time. So that all being said, as life went on, my mother lost her mind. She was a drug addict, an alcoholic. Before being a lesbian was cool. Are you supposed to say this in England? I could get thrown out about right now, huh? But back in the day, there was a shame attached to sexual perversions. And um, before it was cool, she shifted from men to women and lived that lifestyle in front of us and, and handed me over to it. I was unprotected is what I'm trying to tell you. And I became angrier and angrier and angrier. My mother became... Honestly, well, I guess since you guys sing in the spirit, you probably believe in the whole realm, right? My mother was literally devil-possessed. She finally ends up in and out of jail, in and out of mental institutions constantly. I, my Christmases were none. I got no presents. There was no tree. There was no Christmas. There was no birthday. There was no acknowledgement at all. And uh, she gets locked in the ward for the criminally insane in Columbia, South Carolina, locked in for the rest of her life. And they write on the report, um, she's too dangerous to society and to herself. Criminally insane means you're dangerous to other people. We don't see a day that she will ever be released. We have no help, no hope, no cure. It's literally written on this report. And so in the process of that, what people don't know is that there's a man named Billy Graham that's 99 years old this year, and he used to come on television in the U.S. for a solid week in the 60s. They would show his crusades on every major network, okay, and that was when there was no cables that came into your televisions and no phones that showed, okay. There were little black and white boxes with these antenna we called rabbit ears and because you're we were poor you would crimp 
tinfoil across the top of it trying to find the picture. That's, that's what I'm talking about. And he would come on and my mother would be laying in her own vomit in her own urine in front of the black and white television, drunk out of her mind, drugged out of her mind. You would think you can't, you can't, you can't penetrate this. You can't preach to the, to the drunk. You can't preach to the drug addict. But I'm telling you, God's words, the words that God speaks are alive. They're sharp and powerful. It's not just black words on white pages. God's words are alive. And when he sends it into your life, it's not allowed to come back to him without producing what he sent it to do. That's what his words are alive. They're alive. So my mother gets locked in the ward for the criminally insane. She's in a straight jacket in a padded cell, locked up. There's a... A stainless steel sink, a stainless steel toilet, a stainless steel bed with a mattress on it, and that's all that's in there. And um, she realized, honestly, there's just no contact. She's gone until she hears the words of Billy Graham in her psychedelic, psychotic drug stupor now. These are prescribed drugs. She hears the voice of Billy Graham. And at the end of every sermon, he would say these words. If you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that he paid the price for your sins on Calvary, that he died for your sins, and God raised him from the dead, if you believe that in your heart and confess him with your mouth, surrendering your life to him, you will be saved if you believe it in your heart. And my mother just began to cry out in the mental institution in a straitjacket. And these are the words that she said, Jesus! If you are who they say you are. Wonder what would happen if the church would cry out like a crazy woman. God, if you are who they say you are. God, have mercy on me. Jesus, help me. And without our permission or your three points in a poem... Are y'all with me? Two fast songs, three slow songs, shamalama ding dong, yabba dabba do. Jesus came into a padded cell. My mom said he came through the cell window standing in a ball of fire. And Jesus drove devils out of my mother. The guards, see, she's an inmate. She's in a closed door situation because she's a female. Inmate, which means they can slide this um, door, this window open to look in. They have to unlock the door to get in. They hear voices in her padded cell, and they thought other inmates had gotten into that cell. They're running down the hall. They have a hypodermic needle full of something else to put her down. Are you with, you with me? They pull the doors open, walk in. And behold, they don't give her any drugs. They realize this woman is back. She's back. She had, I mean, she was completely clothed in her right mind like the man that ran through the gatherings with chains. That is the picture of her possession. She is, she's so much in her right mind that when the psychiatrists come, you know, because they, they were doing shock therapy on her, 
they came to um, examine her, she's, she's so clear that she knows not to tell them that Jesus blew through the cell window standing in a ball of fire in the mental institution because people in there think they are Jesus. You, you don't tell a psychiatrist that Jesus stood in a ball of fire in your padded cell. You're going to stay in the padded cell. You really will. You will. But weeks later, they wrote on a report these words, unexplainable recovery. We take no credit. We we know it was not shock therapy, drug therapy, group therapy, private therapy. We do not know why this woman has come back to her right mind. But legally, we cannot keep her contained here because there's nothing wrong. So they send her home. Now, let me tell you what was happening before all of that. There's these blue-haired women. Back in the States, in the 1960s-70s, there was a color that old women put on their hair that turned it blue. Do you, did, I don't know if that ever happened here, okay? But I always called them the blue-haired women, so you just have to, you know, come along with me. They were blue-haired, and they wore um, orange lipstick and... Um, Pearl, big pearls and that perfect little dress and they had never lived in sin. They had never slept with men or women. They had never done drugs. They did not drink. They did not cuss. And they were, they were not even saved. They were just proper. They were, they were truly nice women. And something happened at the Presbyterian church. A pastor, they they would change off pastors. That would just they rotate off. And this new pastor came, and the first Sunday he was there, he taught them that you could know whether or not you were going to heaven or not. Now that's contrary to all things Presbyterian, because they believe in predestination, and you really don't know. But he preaches Jesus, and that you can know. And every single person in that church was as good as the blue-haired women. I mean, these were just good people. And they had just never heard that in order to be born again or to be saved, you had to publicly acknowledge that Jesus was your Lord, that you were surrendering. This is the key. A lot of people call him Lord, but they live unsurrendered lives. Okay? This generation understood to give your life to the Lord was to give your life to the Lord. Okay? And they did. They raised their hands in a Presbyterian church and every one of them got saved. Every one of them. And so, but over at the Catholic church, there was something weirder going on. They were getting saved and, and the nuns and the priests were getting spirit filled. They were receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Presbyterians and the Catholics sometimes worked together in the school system. And lo and behold, the Catholics got a hold of the Presbyterians that had just gotten saved because everybody was very happy about Jesus. And they got together. Presbyterians decided, let's, let's study the book of Acts. Now, good thing about being Presbyterian is they're not taught anything. At all. So they're not taught not to believe in the power of God, nor to believe in the power of God. So somewhere in there, they knew from studying that the, the one thing that happens when you are filled with the Holy Spirit is that you have 
power to be a witness. And that's one, the one thing they said, Lord, we do love you. We love you with our lives. We love you with our hearts. But, Father, it is obvious that we do not have power to be a witness. And if, sir, now they're praying a King Jamesy prayer with the hithers and tithers and all those things. If, sir, if Godeth, thou dost still fill with the Holy Spirit today. Hold in their hands just a group of the most 15 people never been in a church like this, never heard, any, never heard anything like this, prayed that if God still fills people with the Holy Spirit, knowing that Paul said to believers, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? So this is a second experience. Knowing that, they said, Lord, if you still do it, do it here. And they did not know better. And God dropped like a bomb in the middle of those Presbyterian people. They have never seen anyone slain. They didn't know what they didn't know. And they didn't even know they didn't know it. (laughs) Blown backwards to the floor on their backs. Began to speak in tongues and prophesy about a move of God that was going to overtake Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and it was coming through the youth. So they got up off the floor, and they, lo- they learned their Bible. They studied Reese Howe's intercessor. They studied the power of the blood, the authority of the believer. They consumed the word of God. Then they decided, let's use all of this on the worst case scenario the worst of the worst in all of this city who needs Jesus more than anyone that we know and they decided that it was my crazy mother and her six filthy children so they began to pray my mother this is prior to the mental institution does not know these people has no association with these people one of them was my biology teacher at high school, I, I would walk the halls and she would grab me every single day. Gentle woman. She's never raised her voice ever, ever. Tears brimming, blue hair, orange lipstick, moonlight gardenia perfume. You got it? Would grab me. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hippie. I have long matted um, locks of hair. Hairy legs, hairy armpits, army boots. Are you with me? Shorts up to here. Are y'all okay with me for just a second? I was at Woodstock, man. All right, I am old. She grabbed me with no. Listen to me. See, the the fallacy is that we believe that you got to have someone that's been in it to come preach to those in it to get them out. But Jesus was the biggest goody two shoes on the planet. You don't have to be in someone's sin to get them out. You just need to know him and the power of his name. Stop waiting. Stop waiting. Stop waiting for some slick-haired, shiny-shoed evangelist to fly in on his Learjet. He's not coming. Are y'all okay? Am I? Okay, I'm, I, I know. So, Polly Potter would grab me every day and just whisper to me, going down the hall. She's holding me. Tracy, I don't know what's happening to you. I don't know what you've been in, honey. But Jesus loves you. 
I would hit her. I would punch her. She was an old woman. I would kick her. I'm telling you, she terrified me. Now, while that's happening, I have gone through ceremonies. I have, I have been a, I'm a, I'm a hater of all things, but I got locked up with this group that was, that they literally were a coven of witches. And they normally don't take young people in, but they came to me fishing for me. And, and here's what they said. Tracy, Lucifer has a wonderful plan for your life. Tracy, you've got value. Tracy, you are, you are precious. You are, you've got, you're, you're gifted. I Listen to me. I wanted to be saved all of my life, but you never came. Not once. You never came. What do you mean us? We're over here. No, I'm telling you another 14-year-old is being beaten to death tonight while we sit on our blessed assurance and do two fast songs, three slow songs, and a shamalama ding-dong. And I'm telling you, if we're going to see a change, it's because we're going to get up and do something about the darkness that's around us. Polly Potter had no way of identifying with me, yet somehow every time she would say his name, Jesus, I'd never heard that name unless you use it as a cuss word. I'd never heard anybody use his name with any reverence at all. And she would say his name to me, and it felt like I was being punched in the chest softly. This power was being released. In other words, God was trying to heal me before I even knew I wanted to be healed. Because his name is like ointment poured forth. And so in the, the scheme of things, my mother shows up at Polly Potter's house. She's, she's devil-possessed. I'm hook, line, and sinker, gone through oaths and ceremonies that I had given my life to Lucifer now and after death. My, my mom shows up at Polly Potter's house and... Um, I know you don't have guns here. So you'll just have to take a deep breath. With a loaded 38, Polly Potter had her dentures. Now, I mean, she's old. Put her dentures in the glass of water beside her bed. And there used to be this product in the U.S. we, we use called cold cream. And it's this white cream that women would put on really thick on their face. She had rolled her hair in those pink sponge rollers. Are y'all with me? Because someone in here thinks that if you're not a perfect looking person, that, you know, to be really anointed, you have to be a size six and have straight teeth. I'm telling you, you don't. And my mother's beating on her door. Polly thinks the house is on fire or something, walks to the door without her dentures, with cold cream, Sponge rollers, opens the door, and my mother takes the gun, puts it in her throat, and the devils inside of my mother said to Polly Potter, she is our home, and we're not coming out. And my mom pulled the trigger. Did you know that angels have very long fingers? Because the gun won't fire. She pulls it again. The gun won't fire. She begins to froth at the mouth, goes into the front yard and unloads six shots from that gun into the ground. Polly Potter does not call 911, which is our emergency system. Polly Potter does not close the door and lock it and hope she goes away. Polly Potter came off of that front porch, jumped 
on my mother's back and rode her down the street saying, you're coming out in Jesus' name. You're going to let her go. This torment is coming off of her. That's Polly Potter. who. So, so they release my mom. So that happened before she goes into the mental institution. Shows you how dangerous. Polly did not turn her in. She wasn't in there because of that incident. But she did a lot of things like that. So she, she's released. And um, I am picked up. I am on the streets. You can um, criticize anyone you want to for anything they do to survive. But you never came. You know, people do a lot of things to survive. Little girls will do a lot of things to survive. And that's how I was living. I was surviving. I, and uh, they brought me home. You be, if you're nice to the police officers, they won't take you to the station. And they knew who I was. Everybody knew us. I had hidden behind their cars before. I had been shot at. I had stabbed. I had been chased through the woods in the middle of the night when I was eight years old by my mother. They knew who we were. And I decided in the back of the police car, I'm going to kill her tonight. I'm going to kill her. I'm not going to live in this anymore. I'm going to kill her. And I had called demons into myself because I was never going to be held down again. Because all that Satan worship stuff is all about control. It's what it's about. And I had been out of control. And I thought now I'm in control. I was going to kill her. And so they drop us off. I'm nice. My mother's there. I didn't even know she'd been let out. And um, I walked in, and they left, and I proceeded. I'm going to be very Southern here. If you need an interpreter, um, Sarah or Pastor Phil will help you. But when I walked in, because she trained me, she gave me the alcohol that I was addicted to as a child. I had to drink I wasn't, I wasn't going to a party. I had to drink to go to school. I was shaking if I didn't have a drink. She gave it to me. She, she trained me. I was her best disciple. Are y'all here? So I'm going to kill her. And I knew I would get away with it because of her violence. And so I proceeded to cuss the top of her head off. I don't know if y'all understand that, okay? But I'm telling you, do y'all curse or cuss? What do you do, swear Say it. Swear. You swear. Cuss. And you cuss. Okay. So, and the problem is, the problem with it is, I'm realizing that whatever was in her, the monsters that tormented me all my life, that you could see through her eyes, they were gone. Something happened. And... There was another something else looking back at me. And now I'm lost, and I'm going to think like a lost person. While I'm cussing at her, I'm realizing, man, she's not hitting me. She's not something going on. And then I think, my God, I don't know what kind of drug they got her on. That's, I know good drugs when I see good drugs. And those psych drugs are some really good drugs. But I've never seen any drug like that. And I decided while I'm cussing, if, when I kill her, I'm going to find the, that. That's what I'm talking about. That's what, 
Whatever it is that she is on, that's the one that I want. I did not know that the Bible, when there's a description in the original languages of the peace that passes understanding, there's, the literal is Jesus will tranquilize your soul. I'm telling you, look at me. The world will offer you every cheap substitute, but only Jesus can take that edge off. Only Jesus can satisfy the longing of your soul. There's not enough drugs, liquor, sex, or rock and roll that will satisfy you. You'll never find it out there. It'll never happen. It doesn't work. It won't satisfy you. So I can't get her to fight. I I walk out mad. I, I go upstairs and there's this knock at the door and here are the blue haired women. Polly Potter, they're Presbyterian, and Presbyterian people bring food, okay? And, and it's the summertime. We've, we've always lived in extreme heat there and never had any air conditioner. We're in dirt poverty. Just, I can't explain the house. My husband actually lived in India for a few years, and when he came home to meet my mother and saw what I lived in, he said it was worse than anything he's ever seen in India. That's how bad it was. And he's not exaggerating. My mom uh, opens the door, and here comes in Polly Potter and these church women, blue-haired. And I could hear Polly's voice, and I kind of tiptoe down the stairs, and I'm leaning around and watching this scene. They can't see me. They put the food down, and you better be afraid of my mom. I'm just telling you, she was, whew, you, she was violent. Little, but she could throw 10 men around a room. Ask the police department that had to come get her every now and then. And Polly said, Faye, are you doing okay? The door stays open always. And she said, yes, I am okay. Now, she's, she's never told anyone that she saw Jesus because she didn't want to go back to the mental institution. We've never had a Bible We've never gone to church. We have no knowledge, none. But she says, yes, I am okay. She said, no. Now, my mother was always on a chemical. She had to. She was so um, imbalanced. Just her brain was broken. And Polly says to her, now, Faye, tell me you're on your meds. That's catch word for psycho medication, meds. And she said, no, no, I'm I'm not. And Polly, who had been praying with all these women, immediately said, Oh, Lord, Faye, please tell me you're not already drinking. You've only been out for three days. You're not drinking. Said, here's, here's the deal. You're praying, you're praying, you're praying, you're believing and believing and believing and believing. And when you see it, you don't believe it. Okay, that's what it was. They were having this, you know, whiplash. And, and my mom, you know, while she's having this oh, thing, says, No, no, I'm, I'm not drinking. I don't want to drink. I don't, I don't want to drink. I don't need to drink. And um, they didn't give me any meds because something's happened and I don't, I'm not chemically imbalanced. And, I'm, and then inquiring minds wanted to know and they try to get it out of her. She's terrified. I've seen Jesus. He came into my padded cell. She's going to go back. But finally, she tells them, and this is what she said. I don't know how long 
If you've ever been on the edge of losing your mind, you'll understand this. You really will. If you ever were raised with mentally ill people, you'll understand this. She said, I don't know how long this is going to last. I don't know how, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to lose my mind again. I don't know how long this is going to last. Of course, they know what's happened. She doesn't have the word saved or born again because we don't know the language of Christianese, you know? And, and, and so they said, you know what? It is time for our Bible study that we do every night. Come to our house, and we're going to show you what happened to you in the Bible. And, and there's a power available for you to be a witness. So it means that you win every day. The power to be a witness is about coming off the extreme highs and the extreme lows that life throws at everybody, and you have this stability. In God, And so they showed her in the Bible. They took her home, sat her in this tin chair, card table chair, you know, metal. Set her right there. Showed her in the Bible how she had been born again without your permission. She didn't have to shake a preacher's hand. Are y'all hearing me? And then they showed her, there's a second experience. Paul asked the, the believers... Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? You got Philip calling for Peter and John after masses of people get saved so that they can introduce them to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is what John the Baptist talked about. There's one coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Okay, so, so she doesn't know not to. I mean, Lord, if Jesus comes into a mental institution, anything goes. Are y'all hearing me? Listen, if you're worried about whether or not being filled with the Holy Spirit is the thing you want to do because of your social acceptance, the fact that you walked into this church building tonight means you're already weird. Okay, number one. You, if you believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, really? Come on, work with me. I'm going to try to pull your brain out of caring what anybody else says, number one. If you believe he was born of a virgin, that he was the son of God, you believe that? Yes, we believe it. That he died on a cross, was dead and buried, raised from the dead three days later, you believe that? Yes, we believe it. Then go all the way and get filled with the same spirit that raised him from the dead. I mean, you're already mostly there. I mean, you're already mostly there. So, so process goes. <laughs> now, they, when they got, the women got filled with the Holy Spirit, they fell backward, they prayed in tongues, and they prophesied and got up pretty sober but happy. Well, my mom gets filled with the Holy Spirit, and there's this other manifestation of God, like on the day of Pentecost, when Peter had to say, these men are not drunk, as you suppose. He didn't say they're not drunk. He said they're not drunk as you suppose. They were drunk. Because I know drunk when I see drunk. Are y'all hearing me? Okay. They were staggering. What does it mean? They were, you know, in the U.S., it's D-U-I, driving under the influence. You get pulled for that. Well, they were P-U-I, preaching under the influence. Okay. <laughs> Are you with me? They're, they're, because when the... Pi- listen, 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 we're talking about the one who flung the stars off the tips of his fingers. 
He's come and he's going to reside in you. You get this? Now we're talking about the one who holds a drop of the ocean in his hands and weighs it. You think the sun, if you've ever seen any footage or film on the power of the sun, the sun, the sun is like one of the marbles that God plays with. He created that. That's the one who's come to live inside of you. And, and there's this mentality these days, at least in the U.S., well, I want to receive Christ as my Savior, Tracy, but I want to keep my nice little life. Jesus left his nice life in order to set you free, and you think that you're going to bring him in like some pet cat? All right? That means that there's a litter box and you can fill up the food and put a bunch of water in the sink and leave for days on end and the cat's going to be fine. And if you want him, it'll, you know, I'll pet it when I want it. No. When God comes in, he comes in violently into your life. He comes in to change your world forever. And if he did not keep his life, you're not going to keep yours. We're talking to, see, it's beyond, it's beyond mind-blowing. So my mother, they pray for her and she gets filled with the Holy Spirit Definitely begins to speak in tongues and she slides off of that slippery metal chair onto the floor, literally drunk, 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 and they all got drunk. They lived a few blocks from my house. They can't drive her home. They're drunk. I'm still at the house looking for the stuff. I hear the sound it sounded like dogs howling at the moon because we're Southern and all these Presbyterians knew was these Southern Presbyterian hymns because there, no, there was no cool Christian music. We invented it, not you. The Woodstockers, we invented the cool Christian music. You just trust me on that. So they're, they're singing this Praise the Lord. Off key. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. They're laughing. They're crying. They're singing. They're holding each other up. My mother is on their shoulders. Her legs are doing this. But, you know, she's not much help. They blow into that room, that living room. And the power of God pulsated through the room. And we, um, we lived in a lot of filth. So they want me to show them where my mom slept. And she slept in this basement on a uh, mattress, no sheets, no pillowcases, no blankets. Filthy, stained because of her lifestyle. On the floor, no bed and no light. And I knew those church women (laughs) and they were already drunk. I thought they had gone down to the Red Onion Bar and gotten drunk. My mama had gotten my school teacher drunk because I know drunk when I see drunk. And the stairs are like this, and I was sure they were going to break their neck. And being a, a good little Satan worshiper, that would make me happy. And they floated literally down those stairs. So I'm going to go in, and, and this is what I did, because when they walked into the room, I began to shake violently. I, I began to shake so violently, I, I was almost in convulsions. And this devils inside of me said, they got to go, they got to go. It was just, and I I had to decide what was going to get them out, being mean or nice. I decided nice is going to work. So I gladly showed them where 
She slept. I even acted like I cared because the mattress was on the floor. And the mistake I made was I grabbed hold of my mother's arm like this to put her down on the bed. And when I latched onto her, the power of God, the Holy Spirit is like liquid lightning. I'm telling you, the power of God shot through me. I came back from her and went straight up those stairs thinking, they've, I know power, okay, I needed power. I've sought power. Are you listening to me? I knew there was, I thought, well, maybe they've gotten involved in some satanic ritual that was because jesus was a dead guy on a cross that lost okay so anyway i find my way upstairs they leave eventually the morning comes and my mother gets up this is the evidence of being filled with the holy spirit you cause trouble period for darkness. She went down. There's this place where we used to do the drugs, sell the drugs, and beg for money. That's where I was living with those people. She goes down there. It's called the Little House. It's not even there anymore, Myrtle Beach. She opens the doors to this little tiny station wagon and says to a bunch of hippies, Anybody hungry? Well, well we're all hungry. Smoke pot. Yeah, okay, don't act, don't act like you know what I'm talking about. Okay, but when you smoke pot and do some drugs, they incite a riot of hunger. And, and so about 14 of them piled into that little station wagon, and she drove them to the blue-haired women's house. She didn't ask them. She didn't ask. She didn't, but they happened to have been meeting, because that's what they did. They met and prayed and studied and prayed and studied. So she drives up, they're there, she knocks on the door that brings them in and those women drove the devils out of those hippies before they got saved. They didn't give them a chance, they didn't give them an option, they didn't say, well, do you want to be set free? They just jumped on top of them, <laughs> drove, listen, they were purged from heroin any kind of, uh, uh, any kind of drug that they were on, purged instantly from alcoholism purged from it i mean we were stripped instantly no withdrawals totally set free then they got saved then they got filled with the holy ghost then they took them to their swimming pool they were rich people in their backyard and dumped them down in there my mother my mother went back and forth back and forth back and forth all day long all day. And, well, about 20 or 5 of them didn't have a place to go back to. So she brought them all home. Not for supper, to live. And I'm a Satan-worshipping, alcoholic, drug-addicted witch with a house full of Jesus freaks. And I mean Jesus freaks. People I knew. People I knew. Full of the power of God. And I will tell you that the war was on. I will tell you that the group I was with hexed, vexed, and incantated. If that, if, see, and listen, Tracy, were you afraid of the devil? To hell with your devil. I'm telling you the church has a very small opinion of God. 
If you think that there's any way that the power of hell could stand against the power of God, Satan, y'all, God did not even get up off his throne to cast him out. The devil, the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil. What is wrong with your brain? Read the word of God. Jesus brought to naught, the old King James says, disarmed principalities and powers and every ruler of darkness brought his power to naught, made an open show of him. You don't believe it. No. Is there still power in his name? Is there? You believe that? I'm tricking you, but you need, to, you need this. Is there power in his name? Is there? Is his word still alive and sharp and powerful? Is it? Is his, is his blood, one drop of his blood, still enough to purge the whole universe of all sin? One drop. Is it? Is it? Then what's wrong with you? If the church did not have a devil, they would make one up. So they could excuse themselves from their milk toast, panty waist, wimp Christian lives. Thank you for your underwhelming response. I'm telling you, listen to me, no matter what you're living in right now, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you think about your impossibility, I am telling you that God is not a man that he can lie. He has always been faithful. He will always be faithful. You are not alone in whatever you're in. You never have been alone. Even when you were lost, you were never alone. Never alone. Never. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not going to happen. This is our best hour. I'm telling you, this is England's finest hour. You're about to shine like a beacon to the whole world. I'm telling you by good authority that there's about to be an outpouring in this nation. The United Kingdom is going to be the United Kingdom of God. And it's going to be one more time. England is going to send salvation to the corners of this world. One more time. You're the ones. You're the ones. So back at the ranch, just speed this thing up. I'll let you go. She, um, so, so I, I'm living in a house full of Jesus freaks. And I'm a God hater. But something weird was happening because I would follow them around to um, irritate them, get them to doubt, get them to you know, cuss if I could, you know, just, just to mess them up, get them frustrated. And those old women, those blue-haired women, taught these kids real quick that when, you're, when that's hitting you, hit your knees, get on your knees, and your golden key is worship. Because you can't, sometimes when you're frustrated, you can't remember the scripture. You can't remember, you know, seven steps to Whatever. But worship works. Just, see, because whatever you magnify, that's what's going to manifest. That's a golden key. And they'd hit their knees in a grocery store with me there. And say, Father, I thank you 
That even though the enemy means this for my harm, that you're the one that always turns it to my good. And I worship you. Right? I mean, in the grocery store. You couldn't disarm it. But eventually, I, I followed him because I wanted, I wanted him to say his name. Because when they said his name, something happened to my chest. I just, it would just hit me. And I remember, it was a Thursday night, it was 4.30 in the morning, and um, I had never been restrained, and you could not restrain me. Like, I, I was the child in school that you did not want your children to sit next to. I didn't brush my teeth, I didn't have a toothbrush, nobody cared. Nobody cared if I was in bed, nobody cared. So, I was, and my mother trained me, so she couldn't restrain me. Is that all right to admit that? And I um, was laying in bed one night, uh, 4.30 in the morning. I had come in from someplace. And there's nothing more beautiful, more powerful, more necessary than the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's the, it's the nicest thing God did to all of mankind was to allow the conviction of the Holy Spirit to come. And I said to God, as a lost prayer, and I said it this way, I hope to God that what they're saying is true. But I know it's too late for me. I, I used to run from my mother and go to this stable and sleep there all night, and I had this dog out there. Now, I was very, very attached to this dog, and just imagine a child that's trying to survive the only thing that kept me from killing myself was this dog needed me to feed him. And so I went out the next day after I prayed that lost person's prayer. And the person that got me involved in witchcraft showed up. I was calling for my dog. Couldn't find the dog anywhere. Had food for her. And I was calling, calling for the dog. And um, this woman that got me involved in witchcraft showed up. And she said, um, you're looking for your dog, aren't you? I said, I am. She said, we took your dog last night, Tracy. And we split her open alive. And they had this altar, this slab of stone down at the Inland Waterway in Myrtle Beach. And they bragged about the people they killed on that thing. I never saw it. Before God, I'm telling you, I never saw it. But if I had, I would go to the police. I would. But these people are missing today. There's never been another trace of these people. And I was afraid... That's what happens when you get involved in this. You think at first it's your answer, and then you realize it's like the Hotel California. You can check in, but you can't check out. And I was stuck. I was terrified. And she said, this is a warning to you. Listen to these words. This is a warning to you. You stay away from your mother and your mother's God, or you are next. There was so much respect and fear I didn't see this at first, but looking back at that conversation, she was actually afraid. She was afraid. She was afraid of my mother's God. She, there was, are y'all hearing? There was a tremor in the force. She was afraid. And of course, I did not know that Jesus went to hell. I did not know. 
that he broke the power, disarmed principalities. I didn't know this. See, I didn't know. I had no idea that there was power in his name. There was power in that blood. And by his stripes, I was healed. He was wounded for my transgressions. I didn't know that the chastisement of my insanity was laid on him. I had no idea. All I knew was that I was stuck. And so I did what lost people do. I, I drank as much liquor in all of this that I used to have to pay for, that day was given to me free. Every bit of it. I ran it in my veins. I snorted it up my nose. I smoked it. I swallowed it. And I drank it. And I went somewhere far away. And now that was, okay, you, you understand? I'm trying to kill myself. I went Far away. I was gone for days. I cannot tell you geographically where my body was. All I know is I stood out in the center of absolute darkness on a cube of light. And there was this magnet feeling in my, in my gut, really in my navel. This feeling like there's a, there was a magnet in there and there was a powerful magnet down there. And it was pulling me. It was pulling me. It was pulling me. And this voice said over and over, just step off. Just step off. It'll be over. Just step off. And all I could remember was this oath that Satan could have my soul now and after death. And my thought was to live as hell and to die as hell. Don't step off this cube. Don't step off. I came back three days later. I was walking. I first, I couldn't feel my body. I hope nobody's ever had that experience. I couldn't feel my body. I couldn't, I was physically completely blind. Completely blind. But I could hear my feet. And I felt myself doing this, and I could hear the sound of my feet. And I was walking down the middle of the highway in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, with cars doing this. I was in the middle of the middle lane, walking when I came back. And I showed up at the place I was supposed to be working, which was an amusement park where my mom and all the hippies worked. Because when they worked, they gave her the money. She got the groceries and paid the bills. And it was a Jesus freak commune. And my mom sold the tickets. And I stood by that cage for three months and took those tickets up. And I was an eyewitness of the kingdom of God. Touching a crazy woman's life. And I walked into that cage and I was stinking and starving. And I don't know where I had been. And my mother, the storms were coming, so you got to get everyone out of these parks because everything's built with steel, especially back in that day. So they're getting the tourists out, they're closing the park down. My mother's brought her cash drawer out, she's getting that cash drawer ready to hand to the owners. And I walked into that cage and she said, Tracy, I don't know where you've been. And she started crying. She, this is the first time she'd ever tried to put anything, I'm going to now try to control you at all, because I was uncontrollable. She said, I don't know where you've been, honey, but I've been scared for your life. And I said, man, peace, man, cool, mom, you know. You know, it's all right. And um, she said, I want you to come to this meeting tonight. And I said, I said, mama. I can't go to church. Now, back in that day, if you didn't clean yourself up, you could not go to church. You could not wear blue jeans to church. 
Now, I'm telling you, you could not do it, not to any church, ever. And I said, Mama, look at me. They're not going to let me come to their church. And she said, no, 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 it's at Polly Potter's house. You know Polly Potter. And I said, Mama, those church women, you know how they are? And I had the hairy armpits, you know, the hairy legs and army boots and, you know. I said, look at me. Those church women, they're not going to let me come. She goes, Tracy, everyone you know, all the people that come, you know them. And she named off all these hippie friends. One of them's name was Hog. Okay, he had hair out here and a nose that went up like that. And we just called him Hog. It just worked. And, you know, I'm just telling you, Hog is going to be there. Nobody ever changed his name. And Joey and, and you know, and all the, the surfer guys that had hair down to here. All, they're going to, they're, you know. And I finally screamed at her and I said, listen to me. God doesn't want me, and Jesus cannot help me. And she grabbed me. And now, you have to understand what that's like after not being hit for a long time. She grabbed me and put me against this cage and said, Do you remember how crazy I was? And I thought, they're back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the holds. And I said, said, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. She let me go, and she just began to sob. She said, Tracy, do you remember the men and the women and the perversion? Do you remember the drugs and the alcohol? Do you remember the stench and the filth? Do you remember the insanity? Do you remember who I was? And I, I had to say, yes, ma'am. And she said, if God could help me, what makes you think he cannot help you? And there was no argument. And I said, all right, peace, man, cool. Yeah, yeah, okay. But what happened was that was the very first time I experienced having hope for my life. And I decided, okay, I'm going to go. And I went. And they all did lemonade and cookies, and it wasn't hard enough. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But, and I was, um, I, I was not, um, I was not in DTs, if anybody knows what that is. I was not shaking from not having, because I was probably still pretty, pretty full. I showed up at that meeting, and um, they were singing like dogs, howling at the moon again. But the hippies were helping them. They had the guitars and the tambourines, so they were helping them. And um, I stayed outside for a long time. They even came out and tried to get me to come in. I just, you know, was working on this. And so what happened was I got to their screen door, and I opened that door. And I am telling you before God, when I crossed that threshold, the power and presence of God Almighty hit me like a Mack truck. I had a head-on collision with the power of God. It was so completely overwhelming. I did not know what to do with myself, and I could not control the, the shaking. Just like when my mom came home with those women, I was shaking so violently that I was embarrassed. So before Michael Jackson ever moonwalked, I did. I acted so cool because it's all I could do. You know, they're, they're all singing and, and I'm, tr- I'm, so I go across the room, go to the furthest end of this room and sit in the seat they call the hot seat. That's where they put my mother, which is where the, everybody got filled with the Holy Ghost in that seat. I sat back there and held onto the chair and the chair was chinking 
Because I was shaking so violently. Why? Why was I shaking? Because devils do know him and they do tremble. And every devil, every devil was about to come out and they knew it. And I sat in there and they go through some songs and my sister, closest to me in age, raised her hand and said, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I went, okay, that's language I understand. Because I knew there were spirits. I did. I knew that there were spirits. And I knew that you could be filled with them. And they brought her to the middle of the room. And I'm watching them. And they turned and laid their hands on her after they kind of flipped through the Bible. Just a little bit. Show her what what she's going to get. Okay? And they put their hands on her. And I knew what they were doing because that is how I received the impartation of demons in that group of coven that I was with. I I knew what was happening. I just did not know there was a holy spirit. And I I I would tell you, I was still shaking violently, and I was crying because I wanted God to help my sister. I, I did. I cannot even tell you what we had gone through. And somehow, I don't know what happened to me. I don't know what happened. I wanted God to help her. And I got up shaking. They're all praying for her. I mean, this is just a room full of little ball-headed kind of guys with little insurance salesmen. Okay? That's what I'm trying to tell you. And I, I sneak through there. And they're all praying for her. And I wind my hand through there. And I get my hand onto my sister's shoulder. And when I touch her shoulder, the power of God I cannot even describe. All I can tell you is I couldn't let go. It was like um, it's like someone turned on the voltage onto an electric fence. I was locked onto her, and I tried, tried to get loose from her until I decided, what the heck? I'm just telling you. Because this, and then I started saying because the warning was, you stay away. From your mother, your mother's God, or your next. And I started saying to him, my mother came into the kingdom screaming. I came in whispering, I don't know if you take people like me. I don't know if you will, but it would be worth my life. If they kill me tomorrow, it would be worth my life if you let people like me come to you. And I said, so if you want me, Jesus, and you'll let me come, I want you to come. I want, to, I, want you to, I want you to save me. And I don't know about this Holy Spirit, but I do know this. If you'll take me, I also want all of your power. And those old women said this happened. Because I went blind right then. Something hit me upward. Like kind of like it came off of Ivy's shoulder upward and tossed me back into the chair I was sitting in. I went flying backwards. I landed on that chair. I don't even know. I've left. All I, it's very slow. I felt, I felt myself move back and these, these, these arms came out of nowhere. I felt him grab me and pull me into this large chest. And the, the mouth 
of this large man that was holding me was at my ear. And he was whispering to me. And he said, it's all right. And by the way, he's probably Southern. He's a bit American because it was in my accent. (laughs) He said, it's all right, Tracy, honey. You're with me now. It was the voice of my father. Now, you, please understand, I had never heard my, my earthly father's voice one day of my life. But I used to walk outside every single day and sit on the sidewalk. And we lived on this highway, and every car that would go by, it was a ritual to me. I would believe somehow he's going to come, and he's going to believe I was worth keeping. He's going to come save me. He's going to come get me. Are y'all hearing me? And when that happened to me, all of that just melted off of me. All of it just melted, and he laid me down. I went down on the floor and through the floor, and I was in this small pit, cold pit, but hot, with a hand around my right ankle, and I cried out loud, Jesus! And I don't mean I was, I was not cussing. I mean I was calling on his name and another set of hands showed up and what the church I don't know what your idea of him is but he was a construction worker not an artist all right he was not a girly guy even on planet earth he was not a girly guy this guy worked with huge wood and stone he was a construction worker with very large arms, when he grabbed me, the hand of hell let go, and he pulled me straight up without my help at all out of this pit. And my body sat up on that floor, and I began to laugh and cry and speak in tongues. And the weird thing is, I didn't know where the noise was coming from. And what was weirder was the sound of the laughter, because it was my born-again spirit, the sound of a spirit that was set free laughing. And out of all the miracles, out of everything that happened to me that night as powerful as it was all of the deliverance the total stripped of every drug right then out of all of that the miracle of all miracles was this I was clean I I felt so clean. I used to scrub. I used to cut. I used to, I used to pull my hair out trying to get off of me what was happening to me that I could not control. And for the first time in my entire life, the laughter was over how clean I felt and the tears was over how clean I felt. And and so and you talking about high I know why they call him the most high God they had to carry me home I couldn't walk they put me to bed I think I woke up maybe sometime in the mid morning because it was I was laughing and crying all night until I fell asleep maybe right before sunrise. And I had had a dream. And this was the, a real scene. When my mother um, used to beat me, she'd get me into this corner in our house. And the only thing I could do is cover my ears, keep them from 
breaking the eardrums because of the, the beatings. I have lesions on my brain from the beatings. So, and you try to keep your eyes down, cover your ears, cover your head as much as you can. And in this dream, and this was constant for me, I would, re- I would just repeat it over and over. I wish I was dead. I wish I was dead. I wish I'd never been born. I wish I'd never been born. I wish I was someone else. I wish I was someone else. And I woke up out of this dream. (laughs) The Lord said, today, Tracy, all things become new. Now, I didn't know the Bible. He's just talking Bible to me. All things have become new. You are someone else you are a new creation you are someone else and that that cinderella coach is not going to turn into a pumpkin at midnight this is not a fairy tale this is real life this is real life this is this is real life so the moral of the story is listen to me the same jesus that walked into that mental institution The same Jesus that I had the head-on collision with the night that I got born again, that same Jesus is standing in the center of this sanctuary right now. And I see what what happens to us. We just we just get worn out. We just you know we get up early, we work hard, we go to bed late, and we get into this cycle of you know going to bed tired, getting up tired, working tired, and every now and then we'll inject a church service here and inject a, you know a little bit there. But I am telling you, I've come to stir you up out of living a normal life. I've come, I've come to bother you. I've come to shake you by your collar and ask you and beg you in Jesus' name to let God re-baptize you with fire. And when I say that, I mean re-baptize you with the purpose of God for your life. There's no reason for you to live a lackluster, milquetoast, pantywaist, you know, Christian life. We're not supposed to be normal. We're not supposed to blend. We're supposed to be the answer. So, you know, and you might think, well, Tracy, I, I'm, I'm free. I, I'm, free. I, I'm free. I do whatever I want to. See, real freedom, any dead fish can float downstream. Dear God in heaven, okay? Any, anyone can do what the world does, but freedom is when you can turn against the tide of that current, not just to do what you want to do, but to do what you know is right. When you can do what you know is right and not be dragged downstream with the rest of the dead fish, then you're going to make a major difference in the people's lives around you. I guess the word is, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And I will join in with the Apostle Paul. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power. It is the power of God unto salvation. It is the power. It is the power. And I know it's late. And I apologize. Cambridge, I apologize for being late. But I believe there's someone that needed this tonight. I believe there's a tired soul in here at least. I believe probably there might be someone that's really thought about Jesus, but you've never committed yourself. And I don't blame you if because of I don't only only because I know the church version of him that I one time believed. And I'm telling you, the real Jesus has been misrepresented, and God is about to take his pulpits back all over this planet. So so Thank you, Lord God. Father, why don't you stand? 
Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.